Jesus. Come on, aren't you thankful that God is with you and that God is for you? I was young and now I'm old, but the psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor her seed begging bread. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Touch your neighbor and say, God is for you. God is for you. And if God be for you, it doesn't matter who is against you, what devil in hell is against you. Amen. Jesus said, be of good comfort, for I have overcome the world. Amen. Aren't you thankful you're more than a conqueror tonight through Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Turn with me tonight in the word of the Lord. We're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12. Then we'll also turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Thank you for being here during revival. God is taking us deeper places. I'm so thankful. By way of reminder, in case you missed it, uh, Brother Greg, put that slide back up there with the, the QR code. We now have a church app that's available through the Google Play Store if you have an Android device. We'll pray for you if you have an Android device, Brother Wayne. And uh, if you have an iPhone and you're part of the Lord's army, this is what it's going to look like when you search for it in the iTunes Store. Uh, it probably will be available tomorrow, uh, but this is a QR code that will send the link. And from that app, you will be able to listen to our podcast, all of our audio sermons. You'll be able to watch live on your phone. We'll have a calendar on there. Uh, you can give. So there's there's a lot of, of great things that can be done through this app. If you don't have a smartphone, then you're just out of luck because this is for smartphones. So... Please take advantage of that resource. I'm, I'm, I'm confident it will be a blessing to you. Amen. Verse 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Everybody say many. Verse 18, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Verse 25, That there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
Amen. Bible says there's many members, one body, many members. Touch your neighbor and say, you're a member. You are a member. So tonight, the Holy Ghost has spoke to my heart, and I want to preach from this question. What kind of member are you? What kind of member are you? Lord Jesus, we need the help of the Holy Ghost over the next few moments. God, the word that you birthed in my heart, I'm asking God that you would help me to deliver it to the body of Christ. God, that you would speak plainly to us and let us receive the word with gladness that we may grow thereby and become who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I want to read this a little more carefully as I begin. For as the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, Paul was dealing with the idea that Gentiles could not be saved. Paul was dealing with a mindset that the saving power of Christ was only open to the Jews. And so he's telling them, this church does not look like what you've been used to. You have been used to a Jewish religion. You have been used to a Jewish culture. But now the door to the Gentiles has been opened. He said, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, because the, the hand functions different than the foot, do we reject it because it does not have the same function? No. We don't all have to have the same function. We all are unique. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing... Where were the smelling? In other words, if everything was one particular part, the body would not be able to function. If everything was an eye, there'd be no smell. If everything was a nose, there would be no sight. That's what Paul is trying to convey. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased not you. There's people like me that want to sing but can't sing. You know why? Because it, the function I have was set by God. And the function that brother, the, the talent that brother Spanky has developed was set by God. And so on and so forth. God says, I'm going to put people in the kingdom or in the body as it pleases God. Me, not them. And if they were all the one member, 
where was a body. But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Every part of the body matters. Whether you see its value or its function, does it mean it does not have a purpose? You know, here just a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we had the spirit reigns deal, and and I uh, Millie Millie wanted to walk the, with her friends, and so I said I'll walk with you. And I got there and got in line, and I knew I wasn't the most athletic in the pack. And I knew that I was wearing long sleeves and long pants, and that was going to create a wind drag, not like some of these other ones with little shorts and cutoffs. So I knew it was stacked behind me. It was stacked up against me. But there's something that happens to a man when everybody starts passing him. I started walking, and the more people passed me, I decided this, I'm going to just jog a little bit. So I started to activate something in my body that has not been activated in quite some time. And I told those cops that was there, I said, I'm going a whole lot faster than it looks like right now. This is just an illusion. And I got there and then we did it. I finished the race. I wasn't last. I wasn't first. I finished. And we did the softball tournament. And something come over me on one of them runs, and I slid into second. That was the only time I did it because it's not that important. I learned right there after that. It don't matter. It don't matter. But you know what, Brother Lord? I woke up the next day, and there were parts, there were members of my body that I didn't even know could hurt that were hurting. There were muscles that I have not used in the longest time. And it's amazing how when you put your body through the ringer, you realize there's a whole lot more parts of the body than you realize that are there. You may not see them. You may not call them and activate them for duty very often. But when you do, you know it. And now there's parts of the body in, in, of Christ that they don't get all the attention, but they're there for a reason. They have a purpose they have, a, they have a function. Bible says, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. There's parts of the body that you don't even think really matter, but you cut off your pinky on your, your pinky toe. You'll find out it matters. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which we lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer. 
or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. This is why Paul said that we should weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice because we are one body. Now I want to tell you this. We need God way more than God needs us. And the moment we start thinking that God needs us for his body to function, we begin our downward spiral. We are a part of the kingdom not because God owes us anything, but because his mercy afforded us this opportunity to be saved. The Bible says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to declare to you that God is still attracted to those who have a broken and a contrite heart. And if anybody will come to God humbly, if anybody will lay their pride down, God says, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Oh, hallelujah. I'm here tonight to tackle a mindset that's reared its ugly head through the years across the church. And that is that people think the church is here to meet my needs. No, ma'am. No, sir, we are here for one reason, and that is to worship and serve the Lord and love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The church is not here to cater to all of your desires and all of your whims and everything that you like. That's not the function and the purpose of the church, but we're here to honor the Lord. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to bring people with us to heaven. If, if the church were here to respond to and to cater to everybody's needs, every service would be different. When I started pastoring, I think this happens to every person that starts pastoring for the first time. You want to be liked. I mean, who don't want to be liked going into a pastorate? You want to be liked. But I found out really, really quick that it's impossible to please everybody all the time. And so it didn't take me long to get over wanting to be liked. I want to be right in the word of the Lord. We are all members. So my question tonight is what kind of member are you? Bible says that the day will come when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And it does not take a super spiritual person to realize that this world is being shaken. And there are five purposes for shaking an object. Number one, to bring it closer to its foundation. 
And what happens in the world as God is shaking this world, the church is being brought closer or should be brought, being brought closer to its foundation, which is Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And it's that apostolic doctrine. Nothing will make you dig in more than being shaken. Secondly, to remove what is dead. That's what a shaking does. Third, to harvest what is ripe. Fourth, to awaken. But five, to unify or mix together so it can no longer be separated. If all you did was was pour some Splenda in a, in a tea or whatever, sweet and low sugar, uh, or, or if you make sweet tea and you just pour the sugar in the bottom and then pour all your tea, you just got a bunch of sugar sitting in the bottom. So you got to stir it or shake it so it can come together. And you know what activated the revival in the book of Acts? Persecution. When their wall was being shaken, in the spirit, they came together in such a way that they were tighter than they've ever been. And the true church of the living God, I'm not talking about the name on the sign. I'm talking about the church of the living God in these last days is going to come together in such a manner that it will operate and function as God designed it to operate and function. I want you to make up in your mind. I'm going to be the church member that God wants me to be. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Come on, put your hands together. I'm not going to let my feet drag anymore. I'm not going to look backwards anymore. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Everything begins with attitude. Somebody say attitude. You can go through the motions with the wrong attitude and accomplish nothing. If your attitude is wrong, nothing else matters. Perspective is so important was a noted English architect named Sir Christopher Wren. He was supervising the construction of a magnificent cathedral in London. A journalist thought it would be interesting to interview some of the workers, so he chose three of them. And he asked them this question. What are you doing? That's it. It's a simple question. What are you doing? The first man replied, I'm cutting stone for 10 shillings a day. The next one answered, I'm putting in 10 hours a day on this job. But that third one said, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren construct one of London's greatest cathedrals. Same job, different attitude. You can look at yourself and you can say, I just go to church. I'm a member of Wallace Ridge Pentecostal Church. Or you could say, I'm changing the world by doing my part in the kingdom of God. It's all in how you look at what you're doing. One of them has a sense of accomplishment attached to it. We don't need spectators 
in the kingdom of God. We've got to have people that will participate, that will engage in the great commission, who will do their part in the kingdom of God. How you think determines how you feel. If you think you're skinny, you'll feel skinny. Now, let me tell you this little secret. The fastest way to feel skinny is to buy your clothes one size too big. Because there's something, men, about pulling your britches up that makes you feel like you're doing good. The British psychiatrist J.A. Hadfield gives an illustration of this fact in his book. He wrote a book called The Psychology of Power. He asked three people to submit themselves to test the effect of mental suggestion on their strength, which was measured by gripping a dynometer. They were to grip that dynometer with all their strength under three different sets of conditions. First, he tested them under normal conditions, and the average grip was 101 pounds. Then he tested them after he had hypnotized them and told them they were very, very weak. And their average grip this time was only 29 pounds. In the third test, he told them under hypnosis that they were very strong and their, their grip jumped to 142 pounds. Same hand, same dynameter, but it was what their mind was telling them. And you can come to church and say, I don't have a purpose here. I'm not going to accomplish anything here. There's nothing that I can do. I don't sing. I don't play. I don't do this or I don't do that. And you know what? Your body is going to follow suit to what your mind is saying. Or you can come to the house of the Lord and say, I got a purpose here. I may not be able to sing, but I can pray. I may may not be able to testify, but I can do this. And you will be productive in the kingdom of God because you have a purpose. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Before you say I will, I will do this. I will do that. You first have to say I am because I am is attitude. So I want to talk tonight about four attitudes that we should possess as church members. The first is I am a unifying church member. Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. How are we supposed to walk? With all lowliness, meekness, with long suffering, Forbearing one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The health of any group is tied to its unity. And it only works when individuals have made the decision to put the good of the group before their own personal needs. The Bible mandates us to have an attitude of unity. But look what unity requires. It requires humility. 
It requires gentleness, patience, acceptance of one another in love. When we come to the body of Christ and we come to church, yes, we are individuals, but it said there's one body. Many members, one body. There's two ways water can be united. It can be frozen together in pieces or it can be melted together. And God does not want us to maintain our individuality and just be here. But he wants the Holy Ghost to melt and, and, and pour our hearts together with love. So we operate as a, as a seamless precision machine doing the work of the Lord. Do you realize, hear me when I say this, that if the enemy can just get a foothold in a church, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Just one little foothold and that person will start bringing division in the body of Christ. Do you realize there are people that will pray with someone in an altar and then slander them throughout the week? Now tell me if that's biblical or not. Where is the unity in that? The beauty of that Ark of the Covenant is that those cherubims were stretched out, almost touching, and they were looking at that mercy seat. It was God's way of saying that people could be united without seeing eye to eye as long as they kept their eyes on Him. God never expected everyone that's in His church to agree on everything. God never, God never expected cookie-cutter Christians, people to have the same likes and the same dislikes and the same music. Let me tell you, if you've been to church since I've been here, we've sang a song you didn't like. Raise your hand. Right here. You know what? We all have our own taste. It didn't mean I couldn't worship God because it's not about What's being sang? It's about who we're singing to. We got to get over some of our likes and our dislikes and realize I'm going to be a unifying church member. Anybody ever went to church with someone you didn't like? Look, y'all are afraid to raise your hand, but I'm telling you, if you're human, you fall in that category. All right, let me say it like this. Maybe that was too blunt. Anybody ever went to church with someone you didn't get along with? There we go. That's everybody. That's just, that's, all right. Anybody ever worked with someone you didn't get along with? You know why? Because we're humans. The Holy Ghost does not automatically make us perfect and all compatible with each other. That's not what the Holy Ghost does. You still got people who are hard to get along with. They don't know they are, but they are. You still got people that you're not going to go eat with. But we can be a unifying church member. And when something comes our way that will bring division in the body of Christ, you don't have to give ear to it. You don't have to. The Bible says where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail bearer, 
the strife ceaseth. We've got to have such a mindset that I don't want, especially in revival, that we don't want the enemy to get a foothold. Anybody ever left, anybody ever left church and within 24 hours you had a phone call or a text message about something that happened in church that somebody didn't like? Now y'all don't want to raise your hands, but I'm going to tell you it's happened. Because I know people. And there's people that they'll just keep on going until they get somebody to agree with them. You just keep asking enough people, you'll get somebody on your side. You cannot allow the enemy to get a foothold because that's how division starts in the body of Christ. You start planting seeds in people's mind. The enemy start planting seeds in people's mind. And then all of a sudden, they're going to start noticing something they never noticed. They never noticed. Because somebody tainted their vision. Amen. Let me tell you, I'm, I may not like everything, but I can, I'm not going to voice everything I don't like because I want a spirit of unity in the church. Secondly, I am a serving church member. Many times Paul refers to himself as the servant of Jesus Christ. I want you to know there's a difference between a servant and a slave. A slave is one who has to serve, while a servant is one who lives to serve. A slave has to, but a servant gets to. A slave does the minimum requirement. A servant reaches the maximum potential. A slave goes one mile. A servant will go the extra mile. A slave feels robbed, but a servant gives. A slave is bound, but a servant is free. A slave fights for his rights, but a servant lays down his rights. We are not slaves unto the Lord. We are servants unto the Lord. And Jesus came not into this world to be served, but he came to serve. And the greatest illustration was when he carried the towel before he carried the cross. In other words, one of the last things I'm going to do before I die for you is I'm going to teach you that the greatest is to be a servant in the kingdom of God. Now, this is what I know about, about people. A lot of people will do something because the pastor asked them to. I could go up to anybody in here unless I just miss it and know that if I ask you to do something, you'll do it. But a servant has a heart that says, I want to do it even if I'm not asked. I want to find a need and fill it. I don't want to wait until I've had people say, "Well, they, when somebody says, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you do anything?" I wasn't asked to. You don't have to be asked. You're a servant of the Lord. You're not a servant of the church. You're a servant of the Lord. If you see a need, do it. Do it. Don't just do it if you're going to be seen for it. Don't just do it if you want recognition for it. You do it because you're doing it unto the Lord. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all of thy might because you're doing it unto 
the Lord. We are not here to be served. We are here to serve, to serve the Lord, to serve our brother and sister, to serve our community. I'm a pastor just a little bit, okay? One of the greatest ministries a church can offer, especially young mothers and especially guests with young children, is a nursery. It is a valuable asset for mothers who hardly ever get to get anything out of church. Amen. Y'all with me? How many, how many mothers could testify that when your children were two and under, it, see, it was a struggle sometimes here in church to get anything out of it. Just raise your hands. Come on, ladies. And we have started a nursery. We tried starting it a couple of years ago, and we couldn't get enough people to even fill a, a nursery schedule. And now we've started it again, and we can only do it on Sunday nights because we don't have enough people to fill a nursery schedule. Now listen, if we had enough people, you would only have to do it once every six to eight weeks. And you say, well, I can't sing, and I can't teach a Bible study, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, but can you sit in a nursery for an hour and a half and allow other people to get something out of church? Yes, you can. You can serve in that capacity. And so I'm asking ladies, I don't care if you have kids that age or not. It does not matter. That is an area that we need people that can, can volunteer for one service. One service. Every month and a half to two months. And this will be just as much of a benefit to the kingdom of God as if you sang on this platform. Amen? So you pray about it. And get with Sister Megan as she does the schedule. But this is a valuable ministry to the body of Christ. Thirdly, I'm going to be a prayerful church member. Prayer is the catalyst for revival. Preaching does not produce revival. Prayer is what produces revival. Peter said, "By but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. He's saying, hey guys, when things start wrapping up, you better pay attention to what's happening. But most of all, you better make sure you're praying. I'm afraid that the church is just paying attention to what's happening and we are not making sure that we pray like we're supposed to be praying. Hey, I envision a church where our prayer meetings are just as, as powerful and as populated as our church services. I envision a time in the future where people are getting the Holy Ghost in our prayer meetings. It's not just about church. Prayer is just as important as church. I understand work schedules. I understand things happen at the last minute. I, I, I get it. I'm not, I don't have an attendance sheet checking to see who makes it in the prayer rooms. But let me tell you, it's a lot easier to get something out of here when you pass through there first. 
When you walk in cold turkey with everything on your mind from the day, you're not getting a, you're not getting in the spirit until the preaching starts. And you missed out on the worship and you missed out on everything. If you're a leader in this church, if you're on the platform of forming this church, you need to be in the prayer room. You need to make it to the prayer room. How can we expect God to move if we're not willing to give him time in prayer? Hey friend, I want to be a prayerful church member. I don't want to just go to church. I want to walk in prayer. I want to pray in my home. I want to pray at church. I want to pray driving down the road. Read a story one time. Sister Freeman, just Donald Freeman, years ago, pastor in Rosepine, Louisiana, was doing the dishes. Just talking to the Lord in the spirit of prayer. And the Lord spoke to her. And said, go stand on your porch and wave. That was it. She said, Lord, this don't make any sense to me. Well, I'm going to do it. So she walked out of the porch of the little house. Started waving. She said there wasn't a soul around. She just started waving. She said, Lord, how long do I need to do this? She said, just keep doing it. So she stood on her porch and she waved. A little while later, here comes a vehicle with a man in it. She's just standing there waving. Don't, don't, know, don't even know who that is. Turned. He waved at her and left. Lord said, you can go back in. She went back in. She said, Lord, that was odd. I don't know what in the world just went on. Years later, she was preaching at a church. And a man come up to her after service and said, Sister Freeman, you don't know me, but do you remember all these years ago you was on your front porch waving? And she said, yes, sir, I do. She said, what you didn't know was I had given up on life and I didn't think anybody cared. And I was driving down the road with a gun and I was on my way to end my life. And she said, I passed by your house and you were standing on the front porch waving at me. And that let me know that there was somebody that cared for me. And he was now a preacher of the gospel. All because there was somebody that could hear the voice of the Lord who walked in prayer and did things when they didn't understand what God was wanting them to do. Hey, church, you never know what God will do through you if you will just be a praying church member. Stand with me. Let me tell you the last one we got to be. I'm going to be a joyful church member. If we have the Holy Ghost, we ought to act like it. The church does not, or the world does not need to look at us and wonder where do they go to church? You know that we're not just identified by what we wear, because ladies, there are certain denominations and religions that are more separated than we are. That's not the only thing. It's that something is on the inside of us that can be felt on the outside. First Peter 1, 7 says, The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 
whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Friend, I don't want to wait to make it to heaven to get excited. I don't want to wait if the Lord allows me to come in to start rejoicing. But I want to start rejoicing now. No, I haven't seen the Lord face to face, but I have him on the inside of me. I've got that spirit of Christ within me and that joy of the Lord. The enemy wants to take your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to be a joyful church member. That's why the Bible says I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, we're having church on Tuesday night. I'm ready to be in the house of the Lord. Oh, we're having it on Friday night. I'm ready to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to do Sunday through Wednesday or Thursday through Sunday. I'm just ready to be in the house of the Lord. It ought not be that we approach things with drudgery. You know what? I've heard of revivals. Some of you elders could attest to this. In the 60s and in the 70s, even in the 80s. They went seven nights a week. They went six nights a week. Y'all, y'all remember that? You know, that was still 24 hours in the day back then. Still 24 hours. That hadn't changed. But with the progression of society, churches have progressed their way right out of the moves of the Holy Ghost. Because the time is still the same. Still 24 hours in a day. But there was way less going on in the world to rob people. When all you did was go to work and go to church, you stayed prayed through. Stayed on fire. And so, whereas you once had seven opportunities for people to come to church, for people to get a healing, for people to pray through, now you give them two. And so you have reduced the opportunities that people have had. It dawned on me when a, when a pastor recently talked to me. He said, he said, we were talking about we have Sunday night. He has Sunday morning, Sunday night. And he put it in a way that I never thought about. He said, my word, we got 52 more services a year than you do. And it hit me. 52 altar calls. 52 opportunities for people to repent. When you look at it like that, it's sobering. I know Sunday through Wednesday can be tiring. I know it can. I'm not, I'm not a shepherd that wants to push the sheep so hard that they stop moving. But I also want to say, God, just one more service for people to come to an altar. Just, I, I, 
I know people's got a lot going on and I, I try to be mindful of it but let me tell you if there's anything in your life that's more important than the house of God uh, then it's not important uh, it's, it's taking too much time uh, over what matters uh, the house of God uh, is what matters I want to be a joyful church member because when you get the I am right I'm a perfect church member I'm a joyful church member. I'm a unifying church member. I'm a serving church member. You get the I am right, you'll get the I will right. You can't do until you are. It's got to follow. It's got to follow. Amen. Just by way of reminder, men, I want us on this side when we come. Ladies, I want you to come on this side. And I'm opening these altars right now. If you want to come to the altar, I want you to come and say, God, I want to get my attitude right. 